Welcome in, everybody. Let's get right into it. We'll be talking about the Imperial Remnant. Now, there may be some level of confusion when discussing the differences between the Imperial Remnant and the other remaining Imperial factions. The Imperial Remnant, as a faction, is the empire that remained of the original First Galactic Empire that was under Emperor Palpatine. Now, this is the faction of Sate Pestage, Isani Isard, Natasi Dalla, and what remained of the Imperial Ruling Council. Though, through the Warlord era, the Imperial Remnant would undergo significant changes, both in leadership and in governing doctrine. Now, these changes would ultimately surmount in undoubtedly my favorite character to talk about in this series, Gilad Pelion, and of course later on, Head of State Jagged Fell. And the Imperial Remnant was easily the largest faction left over from the First Galactic Empire, uh, but under Pelion, the Remnant would do things like abolish slavery, make efforts to openly squash non-human resentment and prejudice, uh, particularly in the military and corporate sectors. Once the Remnant was made whole, after the reunification efforts led by Natasi Dalla and Pelion, it made real headway and appeared that the Empire would truly be unified and strong once again. Uh, there were plenty of conflicts with the New Republic, although it would only be after Dalla's failed campaign against the New Republic, and especially the Jedi with a direct assault on Luke Skywalker's Jedi Praxium, Dalla relented and accepted the fact that she was less than ideal. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's take it from the beginning. So immediately following the Battle of Endor, Grand Vizier Sate Pestage claimed the throne on Coruscant and implemented a fortress world strategy to rebuff any rebel or imperial warlord effort to supplant him. Now, this would place the Empire in a major defensive stance, as most imperial assets and fleets would anchor at key worlds and stations closer to the core of the galaxy. Now, this would prompt dozens of systems to flock to the ranks of the Rebellion, bolstering its forces, building it up into a threat strong enough to now engage Imperial forces en masse with direct military conflict instead of the cloak and dagger and guerrilla warfare methods that they had employed through the Civil War's tenure up until Endor. Now, the Rebellion would take great advantage of the Empire's retreat and fortress strategy as it built up its support and strength through establishing diplomatic ties with oppressed worlds, liberating them and offering a chance to be rid of their enslavers for good. Now this would bring enough support and resources from those newly liberated worlds that the Rebellion would launch aggressive campaigns toward Coruscant, all while the Empire itself remained divided with all of the warlords vying for power and influence. However, 
the efforts of the Imperials were all for naught, as they would lose the Battle of Coruscant in 7 ABY, losing the throne world of the Empire that had stood as the pinnacle of Imperial might for decades. In 9 ABY, the Imperial territory was less than a quarter of its original size, originating the moniker the Imperial Remnant. It would not be until the return of Grand Admiral Thrawn from the Unknown Regions, or the call of reborn Emperor Palpatine, the Empire would reclaim a vast amount of territory. With the deaths of both prominent leaders and the defeats of their forces by the New Republic, the Empire would again fracture and be reduced largely to the northeast section of the galaxy, with most of the occupied territory being the former Pentastar alignment. The final reunification of the scattered Imperial forces would come under Gilad Pelion, as he was given command from a self-deposed Admiral Natasi Dalla after she failed in her campaigns against the New Republic and Luke Skywalker's burgeoning new Jedi Order. Pelion would inherit every major warlord's factions. The remaining superstar destroyers, the Crimson Command, and would also continue Dalla's ideals of welcoming women and non-human personnel into military service, advocating a greater appreciation for non-human insight and contribution, citing his old boss, Grand Admiral Thrawn, as a prime example of what could be made possible. Pelion would create a strong imperial leadership, cementing the Council of Moths as a new ruling council that managed the Empire's day-to-day -day affairs with Pelion in supreme command, much the way Moff Artis Kane did, though Pelion established a real sense of trust and loyalty amongst his Moff Council, unlike Kane, who ruled mostly through fear and ultimate veto power. The capital of the Imperial Remnant would be the fortress world of Bastion, a key world in the territory of the former Pentastar alignment. Though it was not the intended outcome, the deaths of the warlords that joined in Dalla's reunification summit did serve to eliminate key obstacles in establishing a strong empire that was void of internal conflict and division. This unification would prove to be greatly needed as the New Republic would gain greater strength and solidify its hold in the galaxy as a true threat and rival to the Imperial Remnant. So much so that Pelion knew that Imperial forces could not mount a successful campaign against the picket lines the New Republic and their allies had set up on the borders of Imperial space, especially with the likes of Luke Skywalker and his Jedi, along with the other heroes of the Rebellion, all being rallying points of justice and liberation against Imperial tyranny. Pelion and his Moffs would instead shore up defenses against the New Republic along the mid and outer rims. Six months after Pelion would take control and begin his strengthening of the Remnant, he would take the Super Star Destroyer the Reaper, as well as an elite fighting force, the 181st Imperial Fighter Squadron, and launch the Orinda Campaign. This would be one of the famed last campaigns of the Imperial forces into New Republic territory. Now the Imperial forces would travel along the Entrala route, 
taking several systems along the way. Pelion believed that if the Remnant could take and hold a world like Orinda, that was fairly deep into the New Republic territory, that the New Republic would fear and respect the Imperial might enough to recognize Imperial rule and cease all aggression into its territories, respecting the Remnant's borders. Now, the New Republic responded with strength of their own, dispatching the famed Rogue Squadron along with General Wedge Antilles aboard his flagship, the Superstar Destroyer Lusankia. They proved too slow, however, as Pelion's forces would capture and hold the Corthenian and Urs systems, as well as the worlds of Hewitt and Tartaglia. Imperial and Republic forces would clash several times in this theater of war, as the rogues from Rogue Squadron would meet their match against the TIE pilots of the 181st, led by Imperial ace pilot Tur Fenir. The Executor-class destroyer Lusankia and Reaper would also trade blows throughout the systems, battling in the Darkon and Travel Pakor systems, where the New Republic would snatch victory from the jaws of defeat and tenuous conflict. Meanwhile, the 181st proved their mettle as they were able to battle the rogues to a standstill in the Tyon system. As General Antilles received some major reinforcements in the forms of Admiral Areta Bell and her fleet carrier Endurance, the Remnant would take strategic retreat as their most viable strategy. It would be in the Oberdon system, where Antilles and his newly supplied forces would defeat the Reaper and the 181st, with the decisive battle being at Orinda. Though Gilad Pelion would have a few tricks up his sleeve. He had laid a trap for the overconfident forces of the New Republic, bringing in six interdictor cruisers in an attempt to cut off any Republic retreat, as well as the superstar destroyer Dominion, a Dreadnought-class destroyer that was just slightly smaller than the Executor-class. These reinforcements would battle the Lusankia and destroy Admiral Bell and her flagship, the Endurance, as well as the fighter wings they had brought with them. Antilles would be forced to retreat with his Lusankia and Rogue Squadron, securing the Remnant's victory in the campaign as Arvinda rested firmly in Imperial control. This success would secure the Remnant's borders and force the New Republic to recognize that the Empire had the chops to not only outmaneuver them, but to make good on any threats of aggression made in the future. The next big engagement that the Remnant would find themselves in, also one of the last, against the New Republic anyway, would be the campaign to take the resource-rich, neutral world of Adumar. As this new world faced the choice of either joining the Remnant or the Republic, its nation-states were at war over the decision, with representatives from both the Republic and the Empire backing different sides. The conflict escalated to the point where Pelion himself arrived aboard the Reaper and bombarded the enemy state from orbit. Adamar would ultimately join the New Republic, however. The emboldened New Republic would also move to capture worlds along the Hydean Way hyperspace route, deep into Imperial territory. The Council of Moths, panicked by this new offensive, 
pleaded with Pelion to send his forces throughout the Hydean Way, which he would, securing victories over the New Republic at worlds of Barrison and Lucazes. Though Pelion would wrest initial victories, conflicts at the Outer Rim worlds of Arda and Quell would be won by the Republic, driving Pelion back to the world of Selenon, where he suffered a massive defeat at the hands of the Dornian Admiral Itan Ahabat, losing a majority of his fleet along with the Superstar Destroyer Reaper. Now, Pelion and the Remnant would face many more internal conflicts, all from aspiring and ambitious moths, admirals, factions within the Empire, including a Sith cult called the Cult of Ragnos, which worshipped the long-dead Sith Lord Marco Ragnos. Also, from a sinister triumvirate of subversive Imperial leaders and con artists, and many disloyal Star Destroyer captains. It would be in 17 ABY, after many perilous endeavors, radical alliances and discoveries, even a long-awaited wedding between Mara Jade and Luke Skywalker, that a peace accord, the pelion Gaverson Treaty, would finally be signed by both leaders of the Remnant and the Republic. Supreme Commander Gilad Pelion and Chief of State Punk Gaverson. This would be the treaty that ended the Galactic Civil War, establishing borders between the Republic and Remnant while also opening up possibilities of trade and commerce between the two factions. The treaty also outlined strict crackdowns on smuggling and the use of cloaking devices. The Remnant would remain a vital factor in the survival of the galaxy at large, especially when the extragalactic invaders, the Yuzhan Vong, would launch a full-scale invasion some years later, seeking to dominate and convert all of the galaxy. The Remnant would reform and restructure under the leadership of Ace Pilot, Imperial Leader, and later husband of Jedi Jaina Solo, Jagged Fell, son of Baron Sunter Fell, who was a leader in the secluded Empire of the Hand out in the Unknown Regions. Emperor Fell would lead the Remnant into an era of prosperity. This would be after the Vong War and the Swarm Wars, establishing the Fell Empire that would grow even more powerful well into the Legacy Era, 100 years after the Battle of Yavin, during the age of the great-grandson of Luke Skywalker, Cade Skywalker. Needless to say, the Imperial Remnant is without a doubt the most important faction that emerged after the fall of Palpatine, as it served as the cornerstone of any chance the Empire had of a future in a galaxy steeped in war on all fronts, while characters like Gilad Pelion undoubtedly being the linchpin that held those chances for a future together. The Remnant, later the Empire, and then the Fell Empire, endures beyond all other governments in the galaxy beyond the Battle of Endor. The New Republic is reformed time and time again. The Warlords all fall one by one. Crime Lords and independent sectors all change allegiances and evolve or devolve into new organizations and governments. 
but the empire remains. It stays strong and weeds out all parties and individuals who would siphon from it and seek to carve out its resources for themselves. The remnant is arguably even more important, therefore, than the New Republic, or any other faction for that matter. It was instrumental to the survival of justice and freedom in every galactic conflict since the Pelian Gaverson Treaty, and I believe needs its stories made resurgent in the new canon, though done with as much care and consideration as possible. We do see shadows of the old Warlord era Imperial factions in The Mandalorian, with the Shadow Council that Moff Gideon presides over. It even had a Captain Pelion in it, miraculously, as he was supposed to have been killed over Lothal by space whales. If you're not familiar with that, uh, in the very silly Star Wars Rebels show, we did have Grand Admiral Thrawn being a very watered-down Grand Admiral Thrawn, and we had an off-screen Captain Pelion for a brief two sentences uh, being attacked by space whales, and it made me just so angry. I'm hoping the showrunners and writers of the Andor series get a hold of things when it comes to writing for anything to do with the Warlord era as those of The Mandalorian show seem to unfortunately make a lot of inconsistencies and really strike out at a lot of missed opportunities. Ultimately, I love The Remnant a lot. It's history, it's internal conflicts, the progression and evolution of it while moving away from things like Palpatine's control through sheer terror or the Tarkin Doctrine. It's an endless amount of fun to explore, and I highly recommend that you all do so in the old EU novels, uh, in games like Star Wars Empire at War, and the mods that get released for it on Steam, and of course the old comic book runs that gave us a lot of great visualizations. Well, that about does it for the larger Imperial Remnant factions. Uh, the factions remaining after the splitting up of the First Galactic Empire. Uh, we have one more episode in this Warlord era series to cover. Uh, it'll be covering all of the much smaller Imperial Warlord factions that didn't really do much or were just kind of there to be absorbed or were just kind of hermit factions like the Zero Command or the Maw Command. Things like that, the Ariadu Authority, the corporate sector. Uh, so yeah, we'll cover all of those in the next big episode, and that will do it for us for the Warlord era series. But that is all I had time for today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in, and stick around for more Sci-Fi Unchained. But for now, live long and prosper, my friends, and may the Force be with us all.